This week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that had to cut its sponsorship ties with the Shinra Corporation because, well, you know. My name is Drew, I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Yeah. Um, How's it going? It's going, man. You were away at vacation um, last week, uh, so you missed out on some fun sports movie commentary. Um, and uh, a buttload of news, but it was pretty much all DC. You and I recapped a little bit. Uh, before we started, um, what? How was your vacation? Oh, it was nice. It was uh, super relaxing. It was mostly just going to the beach and uh, going out to eat a lot. <laughs> so nothing, oh. uh, nothing too serious. Um, I'm definitely completely out of the loop as far as nerdy news and stuff like that goes. But uh, yeah, it was really nice. Uh, how about you? What have you been up to? Um, I've been doing this. Um, yeah. <laughs> <and> <laughs> I've just been holding down the fort in the podcast front. There has been. Last week there was a bunch of news just because uh, some stuff came up about Joss Whedon and uh, you know Ben Affleck looks like he's coming back to play Batman, which is a good news. So, um, but this week like it's like the news dropped off. It's like everyone's getting super scared about COVID again. It looks like it's almost like I read an article the other day about the fact that the movie industry as a whole might be dead. Um, like I don't. I don't really don't know what's going on. It's weird, but we're going to find a way to keep the lights on on our end. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's... absolutely. I, I mean, hearing that, like, my initial thoughts is just, like, people are going to still keep creating content, even if there's a massive shakeup. And for some reason, Hollywood is not producing any form of entertainment. Like, people are still going to be making content. So I have faith the show will definitely still be able to keep going no matter what, you know? Oh, I'm not worried about us keeping going. I'm worried about content for us to watch. Like, for example, um, my DVR, I know I still have the ending of Supergirl. I have the ending of, uh, um, I got the ending of Supergirl and the ending of Legends of Tomorrow and Leg uh, ending of Batwoman for those seasons sitting there. The only reason I haven't watched them yet is because I actually don't know if we're getting content in the fall when TV shows are supposed to come back on. Right. You know, and I'm like, and I just haven't been in the mood to like, I haven't been in like the desire to like watch it. I'm like, I've been doing other things. So it's been kind of nice because I've been writing a lot and I've been like, you know, it's just, it's been interesting. Yeah. Um, so. well, I, I was just saying like, even if like, let's say Hollywood just ceased to exist immediately right now. Like, I guess I just still have faith that there's storytellers out there, whether, you know, and we might not be reviewing, you know, big budget movies, but there's still going to be like web series and web comics and all sorts of creators out there, all sorts of content still coming out. Um, I guess that's kind of my positive spin. I find it hard to believe that Hollywood will just cease to exist or go bankrupt, but uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just like trying to be optimistic <laughs> through all of this. So. 
Yeah, it's well. I saw I saw a tweet the other day that just said Black Widow needs to be on Disney Plus immediately. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, that's uh, and I and I'm getting to a point where I'm getting to a point where I agree with that statement. Um, just give us just give us Black Widow, because otherwise everything's gonna like get like everything's gonna like I don't think Marvel's worried about it, but it's kind of like just give it to us so we can have something new. I don't know. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I have nothing to argue against that. <laughs> so there you go. Well, how about, um, uh, well, how about, what are we watching? What are we reading? Cause I feel like you and I, like, we got like two weeks separated from each other right now. I don't mean to sound like I was, I was almost lost a train of thought there for a second. Um, but no, seriously, like you've been away, but have you had a chance to watch anything? Yeah, so I haven't since uh, the Marvel episode we did, but there was a couple things that I watched before that episode that I wanted to mention really quick. Um, so the first one was uh, I was scrolling through Netflix a couple weeks ago, and I was looking through all their horror movies, and I was kind of just looking for something out of the blue to watch. And uh, I stumbled across this movie called Siren. Now. This is not to be confused with the Freeform Siren series that has the uh, actress from Splice in it. This is a completely different, like, yeah, the, independent horror movie. Yeah, and, Siren, uh, Siren on um, Siren on CW is about the mermaids. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this <laughs> this movie is a lot more adult and messed up than that, <laughs> and I won't get super into it because there are a lot of like pretty mature themes in this movie, but it's essentially uh, on a guy's bachelor party, they end up going to a strip club and finding out that one of the strippers who works there is like a demon succubus, and she, uh, you know, she seduces people and stuff like a siren traditionally does in like the old siren legends by like singing and like bringing like men in before she kills them and stuff, and it's one of those things that like this movie sounds ridiculous, and it absolutely is. It's kind of like, it really skirts the line between, like, B-horror movie, but, like, just super entertaining B-horror movie. And it's one of those things that I was like, I don't know about this movie, but I'll check it out. And uh, I started watching it, and I was entertained the whole way through. And as the movie goes, it just, things start getting more and more ridiculous, and really more and more cartoony and comic booky. And I don't really want to spoil too much, but this one is, like, if you want, like, kind of a ridiculous, off-the-wall, sort of, like, uh, comic booky, like, B-horror movie, definitely check out Siren. Um, this, uh, the other thing about this movie is, like, after watching it, I was like, man, I had fun watching that, that movie. So I looked up the director, because I was like, I wonder if he's gone on to do anything interesting. And I saw he actually directed another movie that I watched uh, years ago, actually, but... He directed this movie uh, called Dance of the Dead, which is a uh, zombie movie about a high school prom. So it's like <laughs> zombies invade a high school prom, and it's kind of got that sort of like teen comedy slash horror thing going on. But that movie was like fun as hell as well. So I was like, oh, I can definitely see that he did both of these movies. And uh, Dance of the Dead, I would definitely recommend if you want just a good, fun, like, zombie rock to watch because it's just kind of another just ridiculous off-the-wall horror movie the the best thing i can say about dance of the dead is like the zombies don't 
crawl out of their graves when they, you know, are awakened from the dead. They explode out of their graves in that movie. That's like how off the wall and ridiculous but awesome it is. So that's the first thing. I don't know if you're familiar with either of those movies. Um, I saw I saw Dance of the Dead on the listings, and I was like, okay, I'll eventually have to get to that. Um, and then I and I don't know about the rest. So yeah, so Dance of the Dead is better than you'd probably think it is. Like it's it's definitely a really good time. It's uh, I probably advise watching it in a group as opposed to by yourself, but it's definitely a really fun time. Uh, the other movie I got a ch- I got the chance to watch was uh, the new Invisible Man. Uh, the universal one. Oh, I yeah. This movie at all? No, I really want to. And um, I was really like, when they announced that they were doing it, all I could think was that Invisible Man, the film, is going to be, it's going to be weird to do a movie like that because that's an old special effect. And it's it's such an outdated special effect. It's almost not even an effect anymore. And it made me wonder if it's even worth the, uh, um, even worth the effort to do a movie like that. Um, but I've heard nothing but good things about it in terms of like how they make him turn invisible. And then the movie itself, the story seems to be, from what I understand, is very uh, domestic violence type of case. Um, you can elaborate more, but it made me, but like the idea of the science behind the invisibility plus the story with the domestic case, that makes it sound like it, they really put something cool together. So. Yeah, I mean, I can say there's not a big explanation about, like, how the guy's able to turn invisible. It's kind of just, it's one of those things where they kind of show you instead of explaining it. They kind of show how, and I don't want to say too much, but they kind of show how this guy was able to turn invisible through just kind of a little bit about his backstory and kind of, like, showing the mechanics of how it all works. That being said, they kind of show you everything you know. It's kind of one of those things, like, they don't need a huge explanation because you can just see how it works on screen. And that's actually one of my favorite things um, because movies are a visual medium, and instead of, like, going into depth with some monologue about, like, how this invisibility works, they just show you how it works, and it's way more effective and visually interesting in the movie. And then uh, I did think that the whole domestic abuse thing is kind of a really fresh take on the story, and because because of the subject matter and they took that approach, it actually makes the movie more scary, you know? With it being about, like, the Invisible Man's actually, like, a psychotic, like, ex-partner of this uh, main character woman, it's actually really frightening to like think about that situation in real life so i thought that was really effective but the one thing i can say about this movie is from the first minute and i'm like dead serious the first minute of the movie all the way through you will be on the edge of your seat this is not a movie that starts off slow like the first scene is super action-packed and the the whole movie carries that intensity all the way through uh with that being said i do think that they could have used maybe a couple moments of uh, comedic relief throughout the movie because certain parts I think are, uh, I think because the movie holds like the same tone almost through the whole thing, by the end it get, you get a little bit of a fatigue watching it I would say, but with that being said, I still would give this movie like an 8 or 9 out of 10. I think it's really good, I just think they could have varied the tone a little bit more, but I would definitely recommend this um, as long as you've got the stomach to handle something this intense, I guess. So. Cool. 
Well, I that, that's about it for me. Cool. Um, I, I didn't watch anything. <laughs> nice. I've just it's been really kind of crazy around here. Um, I've been getting off work a little bit later than I wanted to, and I get up in the morning and I've been trying to do other stuff. So it's just been I've yeah I've just been like I get home and my my kids doing summer school, so like I have to like do some summer school stuff for them in the morning, and then I get home and then I find out he didn't do a bunch of it, so I'm stuck doing math until ten o'clock. So I'm not like <laughs> um, it's been weird. Uh, so I haven't really watched anything. I did since you were gone. I'll do a quick recap. I did watch Hamilton on Disney Plus. Uh, really liked it. Um, my only gripe with Hamilton was I felt it was too long, but I've walked in and out of the room when it's been on a few times and it's just a, it's awesome. It really is awesome. I think, um, I think I was just shocked at the length of it when I sat down the first time. Um, but I've listened to the soundtrack a couple times since, and it just, it sits with me way better. So it makes me want to watch it again. So, um, I, I haven't seen Hamilton. I really need to, um, I really want to. I have a coworker who I used to be in the same office with, and he would play this, that soundtrack so much that I kind of feel like I know all the story beats almost before watching it. And I kind of feel like I need to give it some time where I kind of forget about some of those songs and stuff. So when I finally do watch it, it feels a little fresh. But right. I definitely want to check it out eventually, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I watched Artemis Fowl on uh Disney Plus as well. Ooh, what do you think? Um, I liked it a lot. Um, I was not, ex- I wasn't expecting. A, there was some. It was kind of like uh, the the fairy war with ever like the way it like went down. Like I just, I almost wasn't expecting some of it because I don't know the book series that well. Um, but it was, but what I, I really like overall liked it. I didn't like the kid at first and then he really grew on me by the end of the, <laughs> by the end of the, uh, series. I thought they just kind of made him, he was kind of a prick to be honest. <laughs> um, and then as the movie went, uh, he got better and better. So, um, overall I really enjoyed it. So I hope they make another one or whatever, but we'll see what happens. That's good to hear. I actually haven't. I haven't heard a lot about Artemis Fowl. The things I've heard have actually been, like, negative reviews, but maybe it's one of those things, like, if you've read the book or books, you don't like it, but otherwise you think it's good, you know? Because that's kind of, um, that kind of reminds me of the Avatar, the last Airbender movie, um, is one of those things where you might like the movie, but if you've watched the show, you hate the movie sort of thing. And maybe it's that sort of situation. I'm not really sure, but it's good to hear that you actually liked it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what you missed out on in terms of my reviews. I know you'll probably listen to the show anyway, what the one where you were gone, but uh, that's what you missed out on. Um, so you want to talk some news, man? Yeah, if there is any. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple news stories. So uh, first off, so like I said, you and I were talking earlier at the show about how um, uh, the movie industry, like I was reading an article about how the movie industry is like almost like I there's some theaters that like don't think that they're going to be able to sustain themselves because they're talking about putting old movies in theaters to try and get people back out, but that's not going to get people back out. They want to see the new stuff. So this could cause a complete fold in the movie industry. Yeah. You know, and, um, the, uh, and, I, I feel like it's the yeah. theaters are probably more in danger. Like, the theaters as, like... I was going to say, take over for me, because it's just, it's weird. So go ahead, say what you're yeah. going to say. Well, well, I mean, I, I feel like the theaters are, and for lack of a better term, they're kind of the middleman in this situation, and I feel like they're probably the most in danger, because 
the movie studios can keep making content, and most of them already have streaming services and stuff, so they have a way to get their content directly to their fans. But uh, the theaters are probably going to have to get really creative to kind of, uh, you know, get through this period of time they're in right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you've gathered your thoughts or where you were going with the whole story in general. Well, my point was the fact that we it's it's weird to hear that these all these movies, so many movies are being shut down. And we're learning that some movies are actually going into production, but are we ever going to see these movies? Uh, we have all this DC news about stuff they want to do with the Snyder Cut and all that stuff. How are they filming with all the COVID stuff going on? Um, before I go with the story... Uh, before I go with the first story, my point is the fact that a casting announcement's been made for something. That's what I wanted to bring up. And it's good that they're casting, but it makes me concerned. Um, I was at a party, a social distancing party. Let me make that my, that clear. Um, and they were talking about uh, a friend of mine was there, and he's a PA, which is a physician's assistant at, at an ER. And he was. Um, they were talking about how... Um, there was another woman there who has a PhD in immunization and teaches at Northwestern. And, uh, they were talking about how the last time we had a vaccine that had to be created quickly, um, it took four years to make that vaccine. Now the world can be moving a lot faster and technology is advanced, but how long could we be sitting here with this COVID stuff? How long could these theaters be closed? How long could we be waiting for things to happen in certain aspects of our lives? So it really made me think, wow, this, this could be a lot longer of a sit than we all thought it was. Uh, so, you know, they, the, the news says vaccine in 2021, but they didn't say when in 2021, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, how does this, I, I don't think, I don't think they even know that for sure. I think it's just, there's so much speculation going on. And you're right, we have no idea how long this is going to last, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's why I was kind of, I know a couple weeks ago I was bringing up, like, I kind of hope, like, drive-in movies becomes a bigger thing again, maybe, because that's something, you know, we could all do while socially distancing and we can still get to go to the movies. But, you know... um, that's kind of, we just have to wait to see if that's even a possibility, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, let's, so with that being said, um, I don't, uh, Noda Noah Centino, if I'm pronouncing that right, has been cast as the Atom Smasher in the Black Adam movie. Um, okay. I, first off, that means we're still going forward to the Black Adam movie. Awesome. But I was more like, wow, we're going to see Atom Smasher on the big screen. Like, I think um, the whole Shazam, like, universe is one of the corners of the DC universe that I don't know a ton about, but, uh, I, yeah, that's, I, I don't know the actor either. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know the actor either, but it's more of the, we're going to see, we're going to see Adam Smasher, and I'm like, that's, it's just a deep cut character that I don't think a lot of people know about, you know, so. Yeah, that's true, but I think Black Adam is a deep cut property as well, and that's kind of, uh. That'll be the most interesting thing about that movie because it'll be interesting to see how many people are going to come out to see this movie and are they going to come out because it's a DC movie or are they going to come out because it's starring The Rock, you know? Probably a little right. bit of both. It's going to be a little bit of both. I think people, like, well, the other thing is that they're, you know, with Henry Cavill coming back, there's a rumor that he might be playing, he might be coming back as Superman for that movie and we might actually get to see Black Adam versus Superman. So there's that. 
<laughs> That's pretty exciting. <laughs> I know it is. Um, all right, so next news story. Um, did you see the trailer for the Muppets show that's coming to Disney Plus? No, I did not. I didn't okay. know about there's, there's a tra- I think we, we may have talked about it before you went on vacation. I just don't remember. There's a new Muppets show coming, and I think it's called Muppets Now, if I'm right about that. Um, and it's going to be on Disney Plus. It starts July 31st, so real soon here, and it's going to be weekly. I don't know if. I don't know how long weekly means. Is it just going to keep going (laughs) or are they going to, are they just going to be pumping out content or is it going to be like eight episodes and then we'll have to wait for another season? That's Uh, what I would expect is it's going to be a weekly, you know, it's going to be a season of, I mean, hopefully not only eight episodes, but uh, maybe 12 episodes or something. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a huge Muppet fan. So I'm really excited for this. The trailer for the, the trailer for it is hilarious. Um, so I can't wait for it. Um, however, um, so here's the news here. Uh, the Muppets uh, new premiere uh, Friday, July 31st, followed by new uh, Muppetsode, Muppetsodes, or Muppetsodes, however you uh, <laughs> say that word. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to be every Friday, and I guess the first episode looks like it's going to be a Muppets share conference call for the new Disney+. Plus. Okay. Um, I mean that makes sense. Or, or I'm reading the article wrong, and they did a, did that as a trailer to say that they're doing the show. So I just either way, it's funny. Um, uh, I'm so just, when does this conference call come out? Uh, July 31st, uh, which is a Friday. So okay. there looks like Disney's kind of looking at the Friday time slot, like because uh, what Gallery was on Fridays, uh, Mandalorian was on Fridays, except for that one extra that one episode, and then Clone Wars was on Fridays, which was an you know so looks like we're shooting for the Friday time slots here. Yeah, I am glad it's coming out sooner than later because I mean I, <laughs> I don't mean to be too much of a naysayer, but to me like I hear conference call episode and I'm like, oh man, that was so like April, you know. <laughs> I feel like I'm already tired of the conference call episodes, but uh, so I'm glad that it's coming out soon. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, and like you said, I hope that the whole series isn't conference calls, but uh, it is a creative way to do the first episode at least with uh, how everything's been going. Yeah. Um, well, do you want to hear my favorite news of the week? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So uh, we've heard that Dave Filoni. Uh, who is the supervisor and director of uh, the Clone Wars and one of the executive producers for... Uh, he was supervising director for Clone Wars. He was an executive producer on Rebels. Um, he is um, he was executive producer on Mandalorian, and he is now becoming the head of the Lucasfilm Television Division, where he is going to um, oversee all television programs for Disney Plus and Lucasfilm, which will create one cohesive storyline for the Star Wars universe. So all the shows together are encompassed in one storyline with the films to create one cohesive universe. Dave Filoni's in charge, and it sounds like Dave Filoni's basically the new George Lucas. Um, That's great. I've been a fan of Dave Filoni since the beginning. And when I say the beginning, we're talking 2008 when the Clone Wars film came out. And um, he was ba- you were basically like, wow, this guy could be the new George Lucas. And the more we heard from him, the more interviews we heard, the more him talking about things. And then I'm telling you, go watch Gallery, because when you hear Dave Filoni talk about Star Wars as a whole, not just Mandalorian, but Star Wars as a whole, wow, are you going to be happy that he's helming this? Um, the reason I bring that up is because 
So we that means we would watch certain movies. You'd watch one, two, then you'd watch The Clone Wars, then you'd watch episode three, then you'd watch Solo, then you'd watch Rebels, then you'd watch Rogue One, then you'd watch four, five, six, you'd watch Mandalorian, seven, eight, nine, right? Yeah. Okay. So they are, they've announced Star Wars The Bad Batch. Um, okay. The Cavalry has arrived, just announced The Bad Batch, an all-new animated Disney Plus original series from Lucasfilm, will debut in 2021. Um, did you watch the most recent Clone Wars episodes? No. Okay. No, the, I, I haven't watched. In the uh, final season uh, of The Clone Wars, in the final season of The Clone Wars, we, have, we got introduced to The Bad Batch, which is a group of clones that were, like, genetically defective. So like they, um, so they they all had like a defect, so they weren't put in the regular regiments, but they were still fully functional. So they kind of made like a secret like elite unit out of them. So they were like best of the best kind of thing. Um, but they were called the Bad Batch because they weren't um, up to the standard that they should have been. I guess you'd say. Right. So here's the here's the report. Disney Plus ordered its next animated series from Lucasfilm Star Wars. Now, because it's Dave Filoni and it's based off of the Clone Wars, it could have the Clone Wars art style, which they haven't talked about yet in this, but I, if I had to put any money on it, that's the art style they're going with. Um, or at least, like, maybe a variation off of right. that, like, maybe similar to how Rebels was, like, a similar art style, but not quite the same sort of thing. Yeah. So, The Bad Batch, fresh off the critically acclaimed series uh, finale of Star Wars The Clone Wars, the Disney Plus original series will premiere on the streaming service in 2021. The series follows an elite and experimental clones of The Bad Batch, first introduced in The Clone Wars, as they find their way in a rapidly charging galaxy um, in the immediate aftermath of The Clone War. Uh, Members of The Bad Batch, a unique squad of clones who vary genetically from their brothers in the clone army, each possesses a singular, singular exceptional skill, which makes them extraordinarily effective soldiers and formidable crew. In the post-Clone Wars era, they'll take on the daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat and find new purpose. So basically what we're getting is, we're getting, this is what happened, these are a group of clones that survived through the Clone Wars, and then here we go, and how they're going to deal with the new founding empire, and they're clearly going to be on their own. Okay. That just yeah. sounds amazing. Um, the other, the big rumor that I saw online today is that Ahsoka will be a part of it. Um, and with everything going on with Ahsoka, um, if Dave Filoni is helming it, I'm almost willing to bet that Ahsoka will be a part of it. So. Awesome. Just a thought, just saying, I don't know. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, there's like, you dropped a ton of information there. Um, I was going to say, like, uh, at first hearing the title, The Bad Batch sounds like the least Star Wars title I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but, like, uh, how you explained, like, the connection with the newest uh, Clone Wars episodes, it makes me more excited, and it makes uh, it makes a lot more sense. It's just, like, upon he- first hearing it, I was like, this actually sounds more like a Gremlin sequel than anything else. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it all sounds like really good news. I think... Um, I mean, fans, Star Wars fans have been wanting Dave Filoni to take over a role like this for a long time, and it's just amazing that Disney's listened to that, and they're actually giving him, like, a role in the creation of, you know, the Star Wars universe that he deserves, and it's, uh, the news is actually very forward-thinking, I think, like, uh, taking the guy who helmed the Clone Wars and then 
having him take the Star Wars universe forward is kind of like a very forward-thinking thing, which is really awesome, because I do think there is a pocket of Star Wars fans who are stuck in the past, who only want to see stuff related to the original trilogy, and I think it's kind of like, this is kind of the best news just that we could hear, because it's such an exciting thing, it's very forward-moving, and it shows that Disney is taking what the fans say to heart, so I guess that's kind of my assessment of it. Yeah. Um, agreed. It's just, I'm just, look, I'm excited for all Star Wars and more Star Wars. There is the argument of quality over quantity. However, we have such a quality individual driving the ship. Yes. That is the kind of the, makes me the most excited. I'm telling you though, I'm still waiting for my X-Wing series. That's really what I want. (laughs) Um, I really want my X-Wing TV series. So I, I'm just afraid I'm never going to get it. The more you bring it up, the, it just always it sounds like such an awesome idea. Like, I would love to see that as well. So, fingers crossed. I mean, they've got to do it eventually, right? I, it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, and I... yeah they Look, I'm sorry. It's It was a no-brainer to begin with, and I feel like I'm the only person... It's really weird. Like, when I listen to other Star Wars podcasts, when I, like, look at news and stuff, no one is screaming, Hey, Disney... It's Lucasfilm. It's time to do an X-Wing series. Like, you don't need main characters from the movies. You can work around it. Like, you just... It's ships. Like, (laughs) come on. Yeah, and and, and thinking about it, like, budgetarily, you would think it wouldn't be too hard to pull off because you'd have, like... Like you said, it's ships. So you'd have a couple sets that were, like, inside the ship and then a lot of CGI and dogfights. But, yeah, it seems like... It doesn't seem like it'd be that hard to do. It seems like it'd be an awesome series, like it'd be a no-brainer. Like you said, they don't have to use main characters. Um, Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't do that, so hopefully Disney's listening. Uh, I I hope they are, too. Um, (laughs) I'd be surprised if they weren't, actually. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Do you want to talk about the list? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. Uh, This was your list. Uh, You've been gone for two weeks, so why don't you explain uh, what we're doing? And uh, are, well, you were gone for you were gone for a we week, but what? Are we rolling any things first? Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I, it's all off. You're back. Everything's back to normal. How does this work, uh, Ryan? It's list time. So roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay, Peter, uh, again, this was your list. You were gone last week, so explain what this is so everyone remembers, and we'll go from there. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I guess I've just been thinking a lot about um, anthologies uh, lately, and I don't know what it is, but I really love, like, uh, like especially horror anthologies is, like, one of my favorite sort of uh, kind of, like, I don't want to say stories, but, like, collections of stories. Like, I love, like, and I don't want to name too much stuff, but that, that, that like, old-school, like, Tales from the Crypt or Sven Gulli-style, like, horror host introducing a bunch of stories. But I got to thinking there's a lot of different kinds of anthologies. And, you know, there's books that are just, like, collections of one author, or there's a book that's just, like, a collection of stories from different authors on the same subject. And I just started realizing this is a... This is a list we could do that spans tons of different mediums, uh, tons of different subject matters and genres, and I just thought it'd be really fun to do. And like I said, for some reason I've kind of been in that horror anthology mood lately, so I just thought this would be a fun list to tackle. Uh, with that all being said, this list was actually pretty hard for me, and uh, 
it was kind of hard to narrow things down because I think when I started compiling my short list, I realized I like a lot of anthologies, like a lot more than I even realized. And some of those anthologies had to get the boot from me, which I kind of feel bad about. Like there's certain ones that I wasn't able to include that I'm like, oh man, but I like that one so much. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah. Do you uh, have any thoughts on this one or do you just want to jump in? Uh, I just found this difficult to do. Okay. Um, in general, because I don't watch a lot of anthology stuff. Right. Um, there's very, like, because, so, for a really long time, I didn't really care necessarily about, uh, how do I want to word it, uh, serialized television, and so I wasn't watching a lot of it, and then suddenly, like, Lost came out, and it completely changed my mind in terms of serialized television. I have the exact same experience. So, <laughs> suddenly I was like, everything needed to be serialized, serialized so I wasn't watching yes. it. I wasn't watching a lot of uh, uh, how, uh, anthology things. So this I found just difficult because I had to, like, find anthology stuff. So. <clears throat> okay, right on. Um, I do have one honorable mention only. So I don't know where I, you're I at. have two. Okay. Um, so I could go first. Yeah, go um, first just so first, it ends with you at the end. So. Yeah, the first one I want to mention is uh, it's this movie called Paris Jetem or... Uh, I guess if I'm saying it in French, but uh, have you seen this movie? Are you familiar with it at all? Um, no, I don't. Okay, so so the, the meaning of the movie is uh, so so the title means Paris, I love you, um, and it's this is a movie that is a collection of different short films that all take place in Paris, and they're all love stories, and so love is the main motif through every single uh, story in this movie. But it's a very cool movie because you have all these different directors who have a lot of different styles. And uh, you have your traditional, like, sort of romantic comedy style love stories. You've got some really dramatic things. You have one that is kind of like this Sin City reminiscent vampire story that's directed by Wes Craven. Um, And then you even have one that's about, like, this, this one story is about this woman who just talks about her love of Paris in general. And it's kind of this cool thing where every single story, even though they're all different kinds of love, they all feel very legitimate. And it's kind of, I got a really warm feeling while watching this because I was like, man, like every single, every single version of love that's shown throughout this movie is very legitimate. And it's done by all these great directors who have very interesting takes on what they wanted to say and uh this one's really just really awesome there's another movie that i believe is uh in the same series in quotes uh called new york i love you which uh i believe is the same kind of thing i haven't seen the new york one but uh i gotta check that out sometime but yeah definitely drew i think you would really enjoy this one just from a movie making standpoint because it's really interesting to see all the different uh styles in this one okay well, that's cool that you brought that up because my honorable mention is a perfect example of different styles on the same take, um, cool. and that is the animated film Batman Gotham Knight. Oh, nice. Okay, this um, one made my short list, actually. Um, this is literally... I didn't know what I was... like Because they kept advertising like one... Every time the advertisement came up, they always showed like clips from like one thing, so I thought well, it was just one story. Um, and then when I watched it, it was basically like a collection of stories about Batman from different eras of the Batman mythos, 
by different writers, different directors, different artists. It was just, there wasn't any cohesiveness to it. It's like one story and then you watch, and then it would end and you'd watch the next story. Some of them were short, some of them were long, but overall it was, it's really good. Um, I don't know what else to say about it other than everyone should go check it out, but it was just really cool how they like put some of those together, like with the anime style and there was a classic animation and there was like more of an artistic looking animation. It was just, it was kind of all across the board in terms of the styles and like subject matters and stuff, but it all pertained to Batman as a whole. So yeah, there's a lot of different, um, sort of collected animated, um, movies like this like there's uh like halo legends or like there's the batman gotham knight there's a couple other that kind of follow the same formula but i think this uh batman gotham knight one that you mentioned is probably my favorite out of the newer ones like that that came out and like you said there's a lot of different cool styles in this one um and like uh it's just interesting to see like there's one that's like really over the top anime and uh every time i think of the batman gotham knight one uh just anthology in general i think that uh killer croc um short story is my favorite one that one for some reason sticks out in my mind and i don't know if it's just because i like the animation of it the most but yeah that one uh, um the killer croc and the deadshot one stands out to me too real good right Um, okay i I can't remember the deadshot one too well so i guess i need to rewatch batman gotham knight (laughs) right Um, but actually, Batman Gotham Knight kind of segues pretty well into my next honorable mention, Perfect. which is Heavy Metal. And I'm talking, not talking about the magazine. No, but you're talking, talking about, about the 80s cartoon. Yes, yes. And uh, I was going to say, I think Batman Gotham Knight and some other similar like animated anthologies like that kind of get a big influence from Heavy Metal. Because this was like... This was in the 80s, and it was an adult, like, hardcore sci-fi animated movie that like it was kind of like i think this movie got so much attention because not only is like the animation like really awesome in it but nobody really associated like cartoons or animation with stuff that this that is this adult and i say this adult because this is a movie that's very violent there's vulgar language there's nudity there's you know all that stuff that you love to watch but, uh, right. I, th- I think some of the uh, explicitness of the movie kind of gives it a bad rap, but in general, I think it's just a really good collection of uh, really cool sci-fi stories. And um, what was it, what was I gonna say? Like, and it shows like it showcases a bunch of different cool animation styles, which I really like. Um, this came out in the '80s, like I said, and it, I there's like a short period of time in the '80s where there was like kind of this weird tiny genre of like adult animated movies like this like you have like movies like wizards and like that ralph uh ralph bakshi stuff you have heavy metal and there's like i know there's a couple other ones and like was, i think there's a really interesting time and there's some really entertaining stuff that came out of that was and i think that was kind of before the uh they started bringing in like really violent anime movies in the 90s like wicked city or ninja scroll and stuff like that so this kind of filled the void for people who wanted to watch really violent animated stuff. I yeah, guess. I was oh. I was just about to ask about Ninja Scroll and Wicked City, I, but you caught me there, and yeah, they're probably in the 90s. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, um, so I guess I would start the list if you're ready. Yeah. Unless you have any comments about heavy metal. <clears throat> nope, not at all. Because um, I don't know much about it other than the fact that I've seen like clips. Like I've never like watched like a full episode, so I don't really know much about it. Um, yeah. So, um, all right, my first one 
My first pick for the night is a book. Um, so it is the Playboy Book of Science Fiction. Okay. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people see that on my shelf sometimes, and they laugh. But uh, go ahead. Right. But you were gonna say you said um. So did you have a comment before I talk about no, it? No, no. I, I think I've heard about it, and I've heard good things. I've never read okay. any of it. But uh, so so believe it or not, Playboy was a magazine back in the day. I don't. Like, I'm pretty sure it still is a magazine, <laughs> but I don't know in the realm of print wise if it's still like I don't know how that got, you know like what's in print anymore. Magazines. Um, but, you know, the big joke was uh, people would always say that they read Playboy for the articles, and that was the big joke because who's not looking at the pictures? Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, Playboy had um, – I they actually had articles in there that were worth reading, and some of the stuff they did is they would publish short stories from science fiction authors or short stories from people who are submitting work to be published – for their actual bigger work. So it would be like people striving to be published authors and they get stuff published in Playboy. So they basically compiled them together into a, a pretty decent sized book called the Playboy Book of Science Fiction. And all it is is all of the published sci-fi stories that came out of Playboy magazine. Notably, there's stories in there from Billy Crystal, um, Stephen King. It's a big list, but like some of those names you're like, wow, like there's some really famous authors in there that submitted stories to Playboy that got published and uh, they all got compiled into one like basically anthology book so yeah I, I think um, it, it is like uh, it is one of those things where you hear the name Playboy and it is like easy for anything under that name to be the butt of a joke but uh, I was going to say but you kind of pointed it out like Playboy was like it, it was a men's magazine and there's a lot of like prestigious authors who submitted stuff for it so that's kind of the irony of like Oh, I only read Playboy for the articles, but there actually was a lot of good articles in there. So I'm sure there's some great uh, stories in that collection. Um, like I said, I haven't read it, but uh, it sounds like a really great pick. So Yeah. So what do you got? So my next uh, pick, let's see, what order do I want to Okay. Actually, so my next pick, I'm going to go with the movie Trick or Treat. Have you <laughs> ever seen this? I have. This movie's like... awesome. <laughs> yeah. So this is... Um, a horror anthology um it's a collection of different horror stories but the way the movie is shot is almost more like a traditional movie like it's not that sort of thing where you watch one story and then you it stops and then you go into the next story and then you go into the next one it's kind of this one where you're watching different scenes of different stories take place throughout the whole thing and it kind of feels like almost like an ensemble film where you watch this person's story and then it cuts to this other character's story and it goes like it does a lot of back and forth but in my opinion the flow of the movie works really well um and some of the stories connect some of them don't um there's a lot of background characters who show up in a lot of the same stories and that's one of my favorite parts <laughs> like there's this one character in the movie who's the whole movie takes place on halloween um yeah and there's this one background character who's this guy wearing this ridiculous-looking hot dog costume. And uh, if you just pay attention to the hot dog guy in the background, he does some of the funniest stuff, like, throughout the whole movie. Um, but this one is, uh, it's, it's one of those movies that was filmed and it went into post-production hell where it just took forever to come out. And I don't know if there was some weird studio rights issue or what it was but when the movie finally came out there was a lot of uh big name actors in it um the one i can think of off the top of my head is 
Anna Paquin, but I know there's some other big actors. I just can't think of uh, their names right now. Um, and then the last thing I was going to say is uh, Trick or Treat has one of my favorite sort of horror characters in it ever, and that is the host character, whose name is Sam, um, who is... Sam is basically this little kid in this, like, pumpkin costume. So you can't see his face. He kind of has, like, this burlap pumpkin-looking costume that he wears, and he walks around dragging a bag of candy, and he just looks like a kid on Halloween. Yeah. But the reason he's called Sam... What's that? There was a... When I was at C2E2 and I was waiting to get in uh, one morning, uh, there was a guy, like, right next to me in line dressed as that. Um, That's awesome. It was awesome. And I looked at him and I go, dude, I dig the costume. And he's like, finally, someone recognized the costume. (laughs) No, that's great. Um, So the reason that this character is called Sam is because it's short for, uh, and I know I'm pronouncing this wrong, but I don't know the right way to pronounce it, but it's like Samhain or, I I think I've heard it's like Samhain or something, but it's basically the old pagan holiday that Halloween is based off of now. Oh, okay. That's what his name is short for. So Sam is basically meant to represent the spirit of Halloween, and I don't want to go into spoilers into, like, who or what is under the mask and stuff, but he's kind of, like, this really cool, like, kind of cute but sadistic horror character where he, uh, he ends up using some, like, some of the candy in his bag violently in really creative ways, and it's just a really fun, uh, good horror anthology, so... Uh, yeah, I really like this one. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, but, yeah. I, trick-or-treat is, all, like, everything you said, like, the movie is just, I remember when the movie came out, and then there was an issue, well, how about this, the movie was being advertised, and there was an issue where they were like, we can't release the movie, um, and then it got pushed back, and then they were going to release it again. It was kind of like a New Mutant situation. Um, and then eventually the movie just went straight to DVD and I finally got a chance to see it, but it is, it's everything you said. It's absolutely, it's so good. Um, the trailer itself, um, got my attention. I'm like, Ooh, I have to see this movie. So, yeah, yeah. I've never seen the trailer. Um, I remember before it came out, I was reading a lot of like, you know, Fangoria and Rumor, like a lot of those like horror magazines and trick or treat was kind of this fabled thing where it was like. It's going to come out someday, and it's going to be awesome, but it's not out yet, so every once in a while I'd see an article about it. Um, One thing I did want to say, too, is uh, there is a werewolf story in this movie, and I don't want to say it has one of the best werewolf transformations, but it has one of the most unique werewolf transformations I've ever seen, so I'll point that out, too. But, um, yeah, I mean, we could move into your next one if you're ready. Yeah, I'm good to go. Um, So my next one is the original television series, The Twilight Zone. Oh, well, um, we matched on this one. Okay. That was actually probably the next one I was going to bring up. Perfect. Um, when I say the original, they did do a remake later in the 2000s recently, like Even Peel's... Sorry, Even Peel. Even Peel is a Jedi. Um, I'm talking about... Um, uh, why am I drawing a name? Um, so I know there was a... Uh, the the guy who why am I drawing a blank on his name the guy who directed um uh us and Get Out and Jordan Jordan Peele yeah Yeah. the the Star Wars thing threw me Evan Peele is a Jedi from Star Wars and Jordan Peele is the director (laughs) that that totally messed me up there for a second oh my gosh um 
happens. It, it does. Uh, no, he's doing Twilight Zone now, but it's a remake, um, and it's all modernized and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I think I think there was an '80s or a '90s version of Twilight Zone. I think well. so too. But this is I'm talking about the original black and white back yes. in the day. Um, I remember not liking it at first because I was always like, no, no, no I want to watch what was after it. Um, <laughs> but and I just kind of had to sit through it because we didn't have. DVRs and a thousand channels and stuff, so I had to wait for Get Smart or F Troop, but um, uh, I really liked Twilight Zone as a whole, um, and uh, do you want to talk about it, Peter? Because it's really just basically like each episode was its own yes. science fiction yeah. slash possible horror slash make you think about it kind of a story, so... Uh yeah, exactly, and I like that you said make you think about it, because the biggest thing about Twilight Zone is like, these were short stories like these were like 15 to 20 minute stories you would watch and they'd be in black and white and it, like you said it'd be like a weird dystopian science fiction story or some weird like horror story but it wasn't like violent horror it was just kind of like had weird scary concepts and it was one of those things where every time you'd watch an episode you'd be left with like this weird like eerie mood and it would it would make you think you would like kind of spend the rest of the day thinking about like what if it's like it had that sort of and it's kind of funny to use a newer movie example to describe the twilight zone but it had that truman show effect where you're like maybe i really am in the twilight zone or maybe stuff really is right. like this and it was kind of really cool in that respect um i like this i haven't watched as much of the twilight zone as i have i've kind of like i grew up and it was on tv and i would catch either episodes or i would you know side the sci-fi channel would have marathons and you'd catch you know, a big chunk of that or something. And I always loved everything that I saw of it. I think um, I respect the series a lot because it was it was so cerebral and uh, it was so interesting. And uh, it was one of those things where, uh, I mean, it's hard to know what to say, but it's like everybody knows the show anyways. But one thing I was going to say is I don't know one person who does not like The Twilight Zone. Like, this is just an amazing series that... I think a lot of people really appreciate because of the way it makes you think and the way it makes you look at things differently. And uh, I think it came out at a time where I don't think a lot of things necessarily were there to make it, you look at things differently. And uh, I think I respect it so much. Um, and like I said, I don't know. Like, find me somebody who hates the Twilight Zone. I don't know if there's anybody out there who does. So I think right. it's awesome. So. Awesome. Um, so... Yeah, good. Okay. Do you want me to go next? I don't know if I have any more out to say in Twilight Zone, but... Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, so... <laughs> so, I'm going to talk about the the uh, the new Twilight Zone, I guess you could say, that's not really okay. Twilight Zone, because <laughs> Twilight Zone always had the science fiction twist. Like, you, it would be like a real story about real people, and then they'd have a twist, and you'd go, ooh, that's science fiction, like aliens or horror or something. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm talking about the show Black Mirror... Um, which I have a feeling we nice. matched on, unless you uh, didn't put that on your list. No, we, we actually didn't match. This made my short list, and this was one of the ones where I felt bad that it didn't make my final oh, list. Oh, that's totally <laughs> fine. Um, no, this is uh, Black Mirror. If you're not watching it, um, I'm, if you're listening to this show, you're probably watching Black Mirror, but if you're not watching it, go check it out. The, honestly, the first couple episodes, in my opinion, are a little bit kind of a rough sit. Um, because it's gonna, it's, it's really gonna shock you, but, um, yeah. instead of, instead of it being a twist like aliens or horror or something like that, 
Um, Black Mirror does a uh, technology twist where it's emails or phones or cell phones or computers or television or something like that. Um, and if you want to know what the Black Mirror is, what I want you to do is take your phone and close everything down. So, like, put it to sleep, that kind of thing, so it doesn't look like you're doing anything on your phone, so it's just black, and hold it up to your face and take a look. That's the black mirror that they're referring to. Um, yeah. That's the best way of describing it is just take a look at your phone when it's off, and that is the black mirror. Um, and that's where you get the uh, technology twist to it. And it's I just think it's really cool because you have that science fiction... Um, you got the it's like some kind of a science fiction story, but it's all about real people, real situations, and then they throw in the technology twist, and you're, like it's an email like scam or it's a stalker or whatever. It's the way they do it is just it's kind of mind blowing, and it makes you look at your um, tech life a little weird. So <laughs> um, absolutely. I don't know. Did you have anything to add on Black Mirror? Yeah, no, I I agree with everything you say, and I really enjoy this series as well. Um, the one thing I would add to what you said is, like, the eeriest part about this series is pretty much every episode you watch, you'll be left with the thought of, this could happen eventually. Like, we're not there yet, but what I just watched could be an eventual possibility. Like, it's, everything is believable, and that's the weirdest part because of how dystopian the show gets, but, man, like, it gets belie- it's believable too because of our relationship with technology and how we depend on it and everything like that. So it's this is an awesome pick. It's definitely a very eerie but very good show. And um, yeah, it's Twilight Zone was the perfect segue into this one to be honest. Right. Um, yeah, I just thought Twilight Zone is a good segment because it's a segue because it's just you know, um, it's you know aliens and horror and then you throw in. Um, uh, then you throw in tech and uh, the internet. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, dude. Well, um, what's your next pick? Right. So, um, okay. It's it's hard because we're getting down to like stuff I really love, and I don't know which one I want to talk about first. But I'm going to talk about the comic book series Creepy. So this Creepy. is a is that, yes. And uh, if, if you want to specify, I'm talking about the 2009 version of this comic series, but this is along the lines of Tales from the Crypt. This is, um, so Creepy was an EC comic from the 50s, I believe. Like, this is a very old horror comic franchise, and it's very similar to Tales from the Crypt, where you have, you have Uncle Creepy and you have a couple other uh, horror characters who are kind of the hosts of, di- of various horror stories. And uh, this one and Tales from the Crypt and uh, Eerie, and there's a couple other ones that were all along the same lines. And it's when you look at those classic EC horror comics, it's really hard to pick which one's your favorite. And that's why I realized I would go with Creepy, because in 2009, Dark Horse Comics relaunched the franchise creepy they started a new comic book series of this uh franchise and uh it basically was them doing new a new anthology horror comic but under the creepy umbrella so uncle creepy who is the crypt uh crypt keeper character in this comic was there to introduce you to all these uh new horror stories and i think the reason i love this comic especially the 2009 version is it combines um, the sort of classic horror sensibilities from the old creepy comics with 
modern comic book storytelling. And so you have a bunch of weird, interesting, modern styles, um, uh, like art styles and stuff, in this uh, comic, but it still has the sensibilities of the classic creepy issues. It also would usually feature, like each each issue would feature a classic story, and they would bring back uh, some of the old artists. Um, But in general, like, if you really like horror anthology comics, definitely give the 2009 Creepy a chance, and uh, definitely go back to some of those old, like, uh, Tales from the Crypt and Creepy, and all those old stuff are really fun to read, too. Um, The art in them, you know, this is... When those classic comics came out, you had people like Frank Frazetta, Jack Davis, like some of the best artists at that time were making these comics, and uh, the art and the stories definitely hold up, and they're kind of uh, timeless in a way, because they're just kind of straightforward, like really good horror comics. They're not like, I don't know, they they just kind of stand the test of time, I think. So that's my, uh, yeah, that's my next pick. I don't know if you have... You didn't sound familiar with Creepy too much, so... I'm not familiar with it at all, so I'm glad that you were able to elaborate as much as you were. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Um, I don't read a lot of horror comics. Um, It's it's interesting, like, I I don't stray too far from the capes uh, when I read comic books. Um, And I know that's, you know, maybe that makes me look like a superhero purist in a way, but I pretty much stick to the superheroes when I read comic books. Um, there's the occasional, like, I really like Danger Girl, but that's more of, like, a espionage action adventure kind of a thing. Um, but I don't really stray too far from the capes and tights, so. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, my, uh, second, <laughs> my second to last pick of the night is Robot Chicken. Um, oh, my gosh, I didn't even think <clears> of this one. This is awesome. So, I was, when I was doing this, it's funny because I was sitting there doing this, and, um, I was poking around, uh... I was poking around HBO Max and uh, just looking at content and everything and looking at what they got because the Snyder Cut's coming, so I'm like, how does this all lay out? I really like how... um, It's interesting. I kind of wish... There's a little bit, a couple changes I would make for HBO Max just in terms of layout, but it's really... It's it's very Disney Plus kind of uh, centric in terms of how the layout works. It it looks like it's almost backwards in terms of how Disney Plus did it or upside (laughs) down or upside down. Um, but at any rate, the entire run of Robot Chicken is on there. It's like every episode of Robot Chicken. And I threw it on, and I'm watching some episodes, and um, I was laughing at myself, not because it's funny, because Robot Chicken's great, but Robot Chicken is this really weird, eclectic, very eccentric um, anthology series of very quick, short, short, short stories. Um... And it's what I think is funny about it is Robot Chicken, in a really weird way, is the very first TikTok. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I watch, when I see these TikTok videos and stuff, I'm like, you know what? Robot Chicken did it first. Um, but ultimately, yeah. like, it's it's got these, like, it, they're just these tiny little quick stories. And you got, like, a half an hour of, like, click, click, uh, quick, 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 quick little, like, 30 second clips, maybe 10 second, like they're short, but they're funny and they're going to make you laugh. Um, so yeah, I just thought that'd be a good one to bring up. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, Robot Chicken's great. Um, I was, I actually was worried it didn't fall into the category of, uh, anthology, but I, I think it definitely counts. Um, one thing is like, and I'm not the first person to say this. A lot of people, uh, have made this assessment, but, Horror and comic and comedy have a lot in common, and uh, 
for some reason, it, like, they both work really well with short stories. Like, horror works really well as a short thing, and so does comedy. So, you know, I mean, doing anthologies, like, obviously we're going to have a lot of horror stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's cool that, uh, that this comedy one made the list. And, uh, yeah, Real Electric is awesome. Uh, I don't know too much to say other than that, but, uh, yeah, it's yeah, great pick. Yeah, uh, yeah, so Robot Chicken, um, everyone should go watch it because it's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, what's your second to last pick for the night? Yes, my second to last pick. So, uh, kind of going along with the horror comic train, um, it is not a comic, but a movie, and that movie is the original Creep Show. Uh, have you seen this before? Yes. Okay, so this is Stephen King writing a movie that was directed by George Romero. Um, if you know George A. Romero, he is the guy who brought us Dawn of the Dead, uh, Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead. Like, he is the godfather of zombie movies. That's what he's been called time and time again. And it's him and Stephen King teaming up to make a horror anthology. So that is that sounds awesome, right? Uh, the thing about Creepshow that I love, though, is that not only does it have a bunch of, like, either really funny or just really cool stories, and uh, it's kind of just very entertaining. One thing that I really love is they really tried to capture a horror comic feel. Like, they wanted this to feel like a classic Tales from the Crypt issue or something like that. And you can see it when you watch the movie. There's certain parts where somebody will react to something and they'll be scared or shocked and the background behind them will change and it will almost look like a comic book panel. Like it'll be some weird like spiral effect or, you know, some sort of like weird blast effect in the background that looks like something that you got right out of a comic book. And it's kind of cool to see uh, the way it was directed was literally they were trying to emulate a horror comic. And I just loved that. Besides really, like I said, I think the stories in this movie are great. I think there's a lot of uh, really funny parts. There's a lot of quotable lines. But I just love that they they were like, we're going to make a live-action horror comic. And they just went for it. And uh, it's one of those things, the only other person I feel like I've seen try to emulate comics this closely is... Uh, I was going to say Ang Lee when he did The Hulk, and uh, the other one I can think of is Scott Pilgrim, of course, but, I mean, George A. Romero and Stephen King did it first, that's all i got to say, so, uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Creep Show. Um, no, you kind of covered it all. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, it's, George Romero is responsible for the whole zombie genre, um, so, kind of anything coming out of him at that time was like kind of gold because people were just looking for it um yeah so yeah no creep show's really good um they're doing the amc creep show right now right which is like oh, kind of greg nicotero i wanted to watch that so bad okay. i haven't had the chance yeah you what haven't you haven't checked it out yet you haven't checked it out no i haven't had a chance i i, I knew they were doing it and i want to watch it i just I, is that on Shutter or is that on AMC? I'm not sure where to watch it, but uh, it's AMC. Yeah, I, I definitely. It's AMC, it. so I don't know. I'm, I assume that it's uh, streaming somewhere, but it is AMC, so. Right. Okay. Nice. Um, I, I really need to watch that one. <clears throat> um, okay, man. Uh, my last pick of the night. Yeah. So it is the Outer Limits. I had a feeling, when I picked this list, I had a feeling you were going to pick Outer Limits, so that's awesome. Yeah, so I think I've talked about Outer Limits before, um, or it might have made my list, or I just talked about it. 
um, back like a while, while back. But the um, the Outer Limits, this series, um, this is like the Twilight Zone in the sense that it's science fiction and aliens and robots and all that kind of stuff. But I loved one of the things I loved about the Outer Limits is how the show started. Um, the ta- like, and I'm not talking about the original Outer Limits. I'm talking about the remake they did in the late '90s on Showtime. Um, it was the narration they chose. Uh, the narrate you never saw the narrator like you did on Twilight Zone. It was just the narrator was talking as the sh- as the episode starting, um, and then the tale of morality that you got when you got to the end, and there was an ending narration. And you're just like God. You're like it, the way it left you sitting every episode was just astounding. Um, the other thing I loved about Outer Limits is it was done in the in a style of uh, if you go back to War of the Worlds, uh, the original War of the Worlds that was aired over the radio, and they they broadcasted as if the aliens were actually taking over the planet, and no one actually knew um, what was. Uh, no one actually knew what was going on. They actually thought it was a real thing because they were listening to the radio and it was the way it was broadcast. They thought it was real. And it was really just yeah. someone reading the novel. Um, so when you think about that, The Outer Limits was done in the style where the television was taken over almost by like an alien presence. And you yeah. heard this voice that said, we now control your television. We control the horizontal. And the whole TV would just go like horizontal and blank out to black. And then they'd say, we control the vertical. And then you'd see the static go vertical. And then uh-huh. they would like, as it taught, you're just like, it's like that your TV was being controlled. It was such a cool uh-huh. opening to the show. And it made, and it really sat with me. And I think it made me pay attention to Outer Limits more than Twilight Zone because of that aspect. If that okay. makes, if that makes sense. Um, I just I thought that was so cool, and I always looked forward to how it played in, and then I always looked forward to the episodes afterwards. So um, I don't know if you have anything to say on it. I just that's one of the reasons Outer Limits really stands out, but it's very Twilight Zone esque. It was basically like the uh, stepchild to Twilight Zone once Twilight Zone got popular. But the opening of Outer Limits really caught my attention because it made me think yeah. of it. Just made me think of the War of the Worlds, and then how you go from there. So. Yeah, I, I never made the War of the Worlds connection, but that's totally true. Um, and I always did like that there's that weird sort of someone's taken over your TV, and that's like, it's such a good intro to that show. Um, I have watched a lot less of The Outer Limits than I have The Twilight Zone, which is probably the biggest reason it didn't make my list. Um, it's another thing where I think The Outer Limits has like such an amazing intro, but the episodes I've seen I don't think has, has stuck with me as well as like The Twilight Zone, for example, but I, I, ha- I have enjoyed the show. I think um, I do love that intro so much, it's just I'm a little less familiar with it, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just you talking about it, I just can't stop thinking about how good that intro is. <laughs> and it's <laughs> right. one of those things that at the time I don't think anything... Besides, I guess, War, War of the Worlds, but anything that I knew, I don't, I can't think of anything else kind of approaching television in that way, you know, which was really cool, so. Yeah, um, this is a hard show to track down to, um, in terms of, like, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. Um, I actually found it on DVD. I, found, I have the whole set. 
um, and it was kind of a random, happened to be in the right place at the right time, found it. And there are multiple discs, so you wouldn't buy the whole set by itself. You would buy one disc, and it would be all the alien stories. And then you'd buy the next disc, and it'd be all the robot stories. And then you'd have one disc, would be all the space stories. You know, like... Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, That's crazy. Yeah. All right, man. Nice. Um, so what's your uh, final pick? Yeah, so I feel like uh, we've been talking about a lot of just really serious stories and stuff, and my last pick is super goofy, but uh, I chose uh, Goosebumps. Goosebumps. <laughs> so, you know what's funny? And I should have I should have saw that coming, so. <laughs> right, and I would be talking about the uh, book series as opposed to the TV show, but I, I definitely love the TV show too, but this is just... This is my childhood, like, I remember being in second grade and buying, I think I bought, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but I think it was the Mummy one, it was the first Goosebumps book I bought, but I used to love these books so much, they were so fun to read, I know a lot of them aren't necessarily written that well, but they were just kind of, this is a big chunk of my childhood, and it, I think it, it helped form my aesthetic so much, like, growing up and stuff, and there's still... The one thing I can say about Goosebumps is, like I said, some of the books were good, some of them weren't super well written, but man, the presentation of those books was so good. Like they had, uh, I think the artist's name is T. Jacobus, who uh, did all of those covers, and he had such a cool painting style, and he just made such like really good, vivid illustrations that, like as a kid, like who was in the right de demographic to get into Goosebumps, like. Man, in the bookstore, I was just drawn towards the bookshelf to get those books. And then that, the whole, like, tactile Goosebumps font on the cover and stuff. And this is one that I know it's super goofy, but I loved these books so much as a kid. And uh, certain stories and certain memories of them really stick with me. So I just had to put it on my list. And like I said, I know it's kind of a goofy one to end with, but uh, I, I do love Goosebumps as a series. So I just should have seen it coming. I don't. I never read any <laughs> of the books. Um, but did you see the movie? I've, I've seen the first movie. Um, okay. I haven't. I haven't, I haven't seen the second one either. What do you think of the movie? It was. It was. I liked it. It was. But, um, <laughs> it wasn't the. So if I made a Goosebumps movie, I would have taken a different approach. I think I would have done a horror anthology. I would have done maybe something closer to scary stories to tell in the dark um that movie if any of you guys have seen it but uh the movie i think was good i think it was just a little too reminiscent of stuff like uh night at the museum or you know that sort of oh, oh okay. no, we let we let loose a bunch of monsters we got to get them back in the box sort of thing mm -hmm. i kind of i would have personally taken a different approach but that first movie is pretty good the second movie i've heard very mixed reviews on, so I haven't watched it yet. Maybe the second one's a little more kiddy, but I mean, the first one was an enjoyable watch. It's just not the approach I would have taken, I think, so. Right. Um, yeah, okay, very cool. Um, Alright, well, that kind of brings us to the end of the night, doesn't it? All right, so yeah, next, next week, uh, we haven't done a year in a little while, so we are going to do a year list. So for you playing the home game, that means we're basically narrowing it down to one year's worth of movies. And this week, or next week, we will be looking at the year 2008. Um, that is a massive, massive year for movies. Um, that yeah. was the Dark Knight year that had uh, Iron Man. Um, 
the list is much, much bigger than those two, and uh, if you're playing the home game and you look it up with us, you're going to be shocked to see how big that list is. It's crazy. Uh, so I'm really kind of curious to how many movies I actually saw in the year 2008 when I, like, picked that list apart. Um, yeah, yeah, same, same here. Um, I was going to say in 2008, this is a year that I know some of my favorite movies of all time have come out. And, ab- uh, absolutely. I- I know where I was in my life, like, I was going, like, that summer, like, the summer of 2008, I was going to the movies, like, probably almost every weekend, <laughs> so I've probably um, seen a lot of them, too. Same here, and that was one that just literally, like, almost every weekend I was at the theater. Yeah, and you so. have to remember, too, this is a ranked list since it's a year, so that's going to make this one even harder, but definitely really fun to talk about. Yeah, so that's... It's going to be a hard one. I, it's like, I think I already know what my number one for that movie that year is, but it's fine. <laughs> same, same year. <laughs> same. But, I mean, it's fine. Like, we're probably going to match a ton, but we'll see what happens. We might be rolling through that list. So, hopefully, there's a lot of news, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. All right. Well, Peter, I think we're done for the night. Um, so, let's throw another episode in the can. Um, Go for it. So, that brings... So, Everyone, do us a favor and check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. Interact with the show. Hit us up there. Hit us up on our social media. Either one works. Um, We are on Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. um, And those locations, please subscribe to us. And if you do, you will not miss a single episode. but you can also leave us a review, which we love the five stars, but we understand criticism because it makes us feel get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre. And uh, if you do, remember, uh, reader beware, you're in for a scare. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right, well, (laughs) for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.